Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 149 and it's another Music Memories episode. And today I am joined by a first-time guest here on the show. He is the host of Alan Forel's ProRes Paradise at PW Torch. He's also a columnist at PW Torch. It's the one and only Alan Cunahan. Alan, hello. Andrew, how are you? I am excited to be here. Uh, you said this is my first appearance here on the show. It is indeed, but it is not uh, the first time we have uh, discussed me coming on the show. Do you remember the wrestler you approached me with to uh, to do a, a show on many moons ago. I was going to bring this up, yeah, because this is a long time coming, actually. Because uh, years back, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, years back, um, back in uh, 2018, I was planning a Zack Saber Jr. episode, and I offered you the chance to do it with me first and foremost, and you declined politely, of course, because, um, you know, analyzing music isn't really your forte, which I understood completely. Um, because so I, instead, would I, literally, I would have literally just been like, yeah, that's a that's a catchy tune. I enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I am not, I, I am not musically knowledgeable whatsoever. I don't know my A sharp from my B sharp <laughs> and uh, um, from my wristwatch. Uh, but uh, I Nevertheless, I love listening to this show, and I'm a huge fan of this show because the way you guys discuss it is great. I just think I would have been a terrible guest. But when you started doing uh, Music Memories and I listened to a few of those shows, I was like, now, this is something I might be able to be decent on. And then I, I came hat in hand to you, and I was like, hey, um, um, Mr. Rich, uh, do, do you think uh, maybe I could get on one of those shows? <laughs> get out of here, goddammit. Yeah, I had your chance. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no, I, I've always had that itch in the back of my head uh, to get you on here eventually. And, and with Music Memories, you know, it's not about analyzing music that we normally do it's about you know a casual conversation about a wrestling fan about these memories which which is your forte of course as uh, your many years of podcasting experience can attest to <laughs> so i'm glad we could finally get john here alan and do something that's more you know your speed of course yeah I've, I've basically like carved out my niche now in terms of podcasting as guy who talks about things from his fandom he likes as opposed <laughs> to analyzing current events or like yeah it's i feel like because japanese wrestling was obviously a strong suit for me something i've i followed like 
pretty much from like 2006, 2005, 2006, up until 2019, I basically followed everything that was happening in Japan, and I could talk about pretty much everything that was happening in Japan. Um, but after like struggling through clap crowds for as long as we kind of have had to, it's uh, and just and not even just that. I do think a lot of poor decisions from the promotions themselves and various different issues. It, my interest in Japanese wrestling is is at an all-time low since i first got into it so with that gone god thank the lord for aew because if it wasn't for aew i'd have pretty much and that's why like people like nitpick aew and that's fair and sometimes create some interesting um discussions and interesting uh audio and i enjoy reading about or, or listening to um but I'm so like just thankful that I have AEW because it's honestly the only actual thing happening in wrestling that I, well, Dragon Gate as well. I, I still wear my Dragon Gate badge on, on my sleeve, so uh, I keep I keep everything with Dragon Gate uh, front of mind. But even with that, it's it's difficult with the clap crowds sometimes, and when you see a match that you know would just be getting a much better response in the past it's tough but uh yeah i'm i'm just super happy we have aw something that feels like normal wrestling that like it has its issues there's things i don't like about it but being able to follow something that i mostly do like and is exciting is is great but aside from that like when it comes to podcasting i just like i've got my 34l 30 series where i'm just discussing 30 years of being a, a wrestling fan and 30 of my favorite wrestlers and um, I've got like recently I just did the other day I just did a show about um, and miracle matches and basically matches from the past again that I kind of consider uh, falling under the bar- banner of a miracle match so I'm all about going back into my uh, memories as a wrestling fan and, and I think this show will be a, a great opportunity to do that. Well, you mentioned your show. Um, this is also a case of me returning the favor because I've been on your show three times now. I've been on about once a year or so the past couple of years. And um, most recently, we did the Forbidden Door preview back in the yep. summer. And uh, every time I do your show, it's always a blast. We make magic together every time out. And uh, I wanted to bring that magic onto this podcast here, Alan. So um, to, to borrow some lyrics from a very legendary theme song, I want to welcome you to my world, my world. It's time to leave your <laughs> mark in my world, my world. And unlike Jeff Jarrett's theme, I do want to hear your big mouth talk, Alan. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'm picturing like a Garrick, you're going to spring Garrick Kidney on me as you uh, started singing. He's going to just walk through the door strutting, doing that Jeff thing. <laughs> where I, I pointed this out on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I love the Jeff thing where he just starts like, he just, it's this taunt he does where he just, he's been doing it for years and I never really kind of noticed it before. Like Jeff always does that where he just kind of like sweeps his arms out like he's telling the whole crowd to let, evacuate the building. He's like, get out of here. It's like he's get. I think it's because it's what the guys used to do before doing like the Fargo strut, but he just does a much more aggressive version animated version of it now <laughs> it's like clear it away get out of here jeff jarrett's coming through it's my world so um unfortunately garrett is not here to to do that for us no no but uh he's here in spirit i think there is that at least so <laughs> yeah but um but anyway alan you know, this is the first time on the show oh sorry go ahead oh Sorry, I muted myself as I started talking. Um, me and, and I'm, I'm such an audio expert here. You, you think I? You think I've uh, not been doing this for uh, 
14 years. But uh, um, yeah, myself and Garrett had our our one meeting under underneath a tree outside uh, an OTT show in 2018, where we uh, we talked shop during intermission. Um, it was a real it was a real meeting of the pro wrestling minds. Uh, me and Garrett uh, um, uh, just yeah hashing out, talking talking scoops, trading info, um, trading war stories. So, uh, it was a, a, a great a great opportunity to meet Garrett, and I hope I get to do that more often. Mm, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, anyway, uh, since it's your first time on the show here, Alan, I'll ask you this question that I ask all my first-time guests. How'd you become a wrestling fan? How'd you get into it way back when? Oh, well, um, my earliest memories, like, obviously, like, because I got into it super young, so those really early memories kind of blend together, and it's hard to say this was the first thing I saw. But I know, like, comfortably, like, the first handful of things I saw and they certainly stand out and the one that i think was the earliest was an episode of whatever syndicated show challenge all american superstars coming on afternoon weekend on sky one in probably 1991 and there was an a, a local kind of coming to your area promo um they did with a bunch of wrestlers back to back like they used to do on the tv back then and they had earthquake jimmy hart and i feel like there was a third person in there and i don't think it would have been typhoon you know it wouldn't have been typhoon if it was 91 it might have still been dino bravo um but anyway earthquake and jimmy hart were definitely there and earthquake was jumping up and down creating a ruckus and i was like oh my god and he said we're coming to the UK and I'm coming to your town. And, blah, 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 blah. and even though I'm not from the UK, I am from Ireland and this was threatening enough uh, proximity wise. that I got <laughs> very scared, especially when he said he's coming to, to your town. I was like, cause he pointed right at the screens. So I just thought he was pointing to me, telling me he was coming to your town, Alan. And uh, I ran outside stricken with terror to where my dad was uh, trimming the hedges in the front garden and uh, I called my dad down from the ladder that he was uh, on and I um, just started probably ranting at a mile a minute uh, this big guy jumping <laughs> up and down he's coming he's gonna knock on my door like I remember thinking in my head the earthquake was going to like literally knock on the door of my house with Jimmy Hart and I don't know start bouncing um maybe sit on me. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I was really, really worried about this. And my dad had to uh, squash those worries. And um, then like my, probably my next memory um, that would have been after that again, involved my dad because um, I was watching the macho man, Jake, the snake, snake bite angle. And after the snake bites the macho man's arm, you see the, the red bit of blood streaming down. And I remember my, uh, I was just in awe. And my dad just goes, that's tomato ketchup. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, uh, even as a six-year-old at that point, I was like, hang on now, dad. How are you going to be tomato ketchup? There's all these fans there. Like, how would they have been able to pause, get out a ketchup bottle, put the ketchup on his arm with all those fans sitting there watching? doesn't make sense so i called my dad's bluff on uh, 
on on the logic element of it and, and i didn't know about blading at that stage but even if i did it really wasn't a, a blading thing he i guess macho man like legit let the snake bite him to cause the blood so that was as, probably as legit as it comes so uh um yeah my 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 dad uh papa 4l was um you know a little too cynical back then yeah, I'm trying to remember. As a kid, whenever I watched wrestling with my dad, he never, you know, was like, "Oh, that's fake and stupid" or whatever. He was always like going along with it, which I think well, is mine pretty... still does it now. If I try to show him <laughs> something now, it's like, yeah, it just call. He just loves to call bullshit on it. Like the, I watched an episode of Rampage last Christmas when I was staying over at my parents, and he was in room as I was watching it, and yeah, he buried everything except Hook. Uh, he was like, he had, I forgot what his comment about Hook was. He was like, something like, oh, they're really, uh, they're really making, they're really going to make him a big thing, aren't they? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. A man of culture, I see. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you, you but, don't, you don't remember having similar burials from your dad, you were saying? You know, I don't think I ever did. No, my dad's always been very supportive of me being a wrestling fan. Um, like, like it's never really been our, big bonding thing that's always been more movies and tv shows and, and stand-up comedy or whatever but um but oh he's always been very positive about wrestling and my mom was too as well so yeah i i have no uh no shared experiences in that regard there alan so yeah my mom pretty much never my mom is like just not a tv watcher really not an and she does she's not someone who engages in entertainment too much like she's just kind of you know prefers to worry about like her life and like you know uh doing her job raising her children and blocking out <laughs> everything that like, you're very kind of like marge simpson-esque never like kind of gives herself a, a chance to like enjoy something and, and she doesn't like have the attention span to watch tv or anything she just so like sp- she's never been in sports uh, like would kind of have she, she'll watch the news so she'll have like enough knowledge of sport just from the the news but like she used to when i started watching american football she's that's weird i literally just got a text from my mom um she's listening in Um, (laughs) (laughs) when i started watching american football and mma around the same time she just branched all that under the umbrella of wrestling like she'd come in i'd be watching american football she's like oh you're watching your wrestling her like mma and wrestling i can kind of see but why she thought American football was also under the umbrella of wrestling, I guess just because it was from America and I was watching it at weird times. Maybe that's it. But yeah, it was. Uh, um, yeah, they uh, they it was definitely my my hobby that I did not uh, share with with my parents whatsoever. But somehow uh, through, um, I don't know, uh, those initial forays into wrestling that I described, I um, became just a gigantic fan that obviously like talking the time frame of when that stuff was happening like the the year that followed was when the uk and ireland just got into all things americana and pro wrestling wf in particular had a huge huge popularity boom over here and i mean you couldn't go to any like toy shop or stationery shop without like seeing wf branded stuff like they deserve so much credit like the wf marketing machine and it was a small machine back then like whether you credit vince or linda or whoever they had running the show on that end of things like they 
deserve so much credit for how much trash merch they got into the UK in 92. Like, I had Big Boss Man underpants and, uh, <laughs> like, Bret Hart socks and um, pencil cases with, like, the Legion of Doom on them and, like, it, all the magazines, posters and all this kind of stuff. It was so easy to get. It was everywhere. They did a fantastic job with that stuff. And that probably leads us nicely uh, to what we're going to talk about, doesn't it, Andrew? Yeah, in a couple minutes here, for sure. Um, well, I want to ask you this, too. Uh, I know analyzing music isn't really your thing but has music itself played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all um i i would i would call it a nice um accompaniment to my wrestling fandom like there there have been songs over the years both entrance teams and songs for wrestling shows that have really um uh, that have really like you know do you really catch on to and get over with you to an extent but i would say it's less that music has aided my wrestling fandom than wrestling has influenced my music fandom as sad as that is because <laughs> i um just was never like i was like i i probably was watching wrestling for like four years before i ever bought a tape or an album of a song like the first music i remember buying was like 1996 you know um and i i just i never went to concerts nothing like that. i just wasn't a big music fan i had no issue with music i just would like to be things i'd like here and there but i i was not a music person you know um like most people are i think it's a fairly common uh thing that a lot of people are into especially in their formative years and it just really wasn't for me and then um it's actually not not one of the the songs or we it's not one of the topics we're going to talk about today but uh i do know that when i was kind of getting into indie wrestling and japanese wrestling particularly with ring of honor with all the songs they used for for their guys for entrance teams that introduced me to like so many bands that I like AFI, for instance, like I, I have so much AFI music that I've listened to over the years since discovering them while I was in college, not because I like was given an AFI CD, but because I downloaded Miseria Cantare on Le like LimeWire or Kazaa and then downloaded a bunch of their other songs off the back of that. And it was similar with a lot of, kind of like um some of the japanese songs as well and um like even as even as mental as this has, this is gonna re i can't believe i'm admitting this but i got well i already kind of like i i talked recently on podcast about my my love for shakira so i i already <laughs> i heard i heard I yeah yeah i was already a big shakira fan but then i remember on an early episode of um uh, figure four, Brian and Vinny show. One of those shows. It would have been, it would have been Cinco de Mayo, two thousand six, because F four W online started in June oh five, and it was a Cinco de Mayo. Brian played for the opening of the song, or the opening of his show. He played. Um, <clears throat> excuse my voice going here. Um, uh, her name is uh, Julie. I don't know if you even know if she's that famous, but. Julieta Venhegas or Venhegas, uh, uh, Mayvoy was the name of the song. I was like, oh, listen to this catchy, uh, catchy tune. 
and uh, I ended up like downloading two of her albums. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. She's a great accompaniment to my Shakira songs. <laughs> so yeah, very. Uh, uh, that it also led to me having wrestling led to me having a very like eclectic taste in music because the big thing was that I could associate songs or whatever with some like happy wrestling memory or something and that would lead to like just real variation so it'd be like afi on one hand and then shakira on the next or, or <laughs> julietta vinayas or um like insert like random japanese band like um oh i love um i love uh what are they called uh, Shon um shonen no kaze uh, they are a Japanese reggae band that uh, Fujita Junior Hayato has used a bunch of their songs as entrance music. Big fan of theirs. I've loads of their music. So, uh, and I still have like all my music as MP3 files on my computer. Sarah's always like telling me to get on Spotify and stuff like this, and I'm like, no, I have my songs. I like to listen to my songs. <laughs> it's like. I'm very awkward. She'll she'll hear me playing some music, and she's like, "The quality of that is just terrible." <laughs> Coming through on my laptop speakers, yeah. But anyway, that's uh. So yeah, as wrestling has more influenced me in terms of music rather than the other way around. I can attest to that as well. Uh, not just with the iTunes thing, because I still have iTunes and all those songs, uh, and Spotify too. But um, but also uh, I mentioned this before on the show. One of my favorite bands is Rush. And the reason I discovered Rush is because the theme song for SummerSlam 04 was Rush's version of Summertime Blues. And I was like, oh, this song is pretty good. I wonder if the other songs by this band I'll like. I, and, I got into and them, the same song. I oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> song and then, uh, yeah, downloaded a bunch of other ones as well. I didn't become as big of a fan of them as you seemingly. But yeah, that song that song caught me, caught my eye as well, caught my ear in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're probably like the biggest band I've I've gotten into through wrestling, I suppose. Uh, but but yeah, my my iTunes is like it is littered with bands where I've just got I got one song, I got one song by them, and it's because I heard it as a theme for like you know <laughs> Judgment Day '05 or or No Mercy '07 or or what have you. But um, but yeah, wrestling has probably been oh, you know, the, one of the big all the new metal as well. Oh, like... new metal and and rap metal and rap rock and all those. All those favorites for sure. <laughs> like I absolutely got into Creed and Limp Bizkit big time when I was a teenager, purely off the back of uh, the WF Desire videos and Undertaker using Roland as his uh, entrance music. Yeah, yeah, I'd say wrestling and uh, Guitar Hero slash Rock Band are like the two biggest entry points for me. Um, in finding music I like and, and listen to to this day. So if I have something to blame for my music taste, it's it's that, I guess. So um, anyway, let's get to the episode proper here. Enough with the preamble. Uh, uh, this is, of course, a music memories episode. And if you don't know what that is, it's when I have on a guest and they share three examples of wrestling memories that are strongly linked to music in some way. It could be a wrestler theme, it could be a show or pay-per-view theme, it could be from an album, a game, a movie or show about wrestling perhaps, whatever it may be. And um, again, like I said, it's not about analyzing the music. It's much more about these you know, fun, casual conversations about these memories and about our fandoms and whatnot. And uh, it's funny, Alan, um, you mentioned this earlier, talking about how you know, you're one of the most well-versed wrestling fans I know of. You know, you've watched so much wrestling over the years of, of various companies and 
countries and styles and eras. And before I reached out to you to do this, I thought to myself, you know, I bet Alan's going to have a really tough time only picking three examples. And sure enough, later on, you messaged me like, oh, Andrew, I hate you so much. This is so tough. I can't pick. It's tearing me apart. And I was like, I knew it. I, I knew it. <laughs> it was. It was like it was like casting aside children. I was like, because it wasn't just specific songs I was casting aside. It was like whole sections of my fan. Like the, the I, I shoehorned in the Ring of Honor talk there because it was like, that was something I really wanted to highlight. It was just how much when I was in college, like hearing the different Ring of Honor themes when I get the DVDs and you'd only be hearing like small snippets of these songs. Yes, they were badly like for a good chunk of time, like you could barely hear them as well because um, the, the audio was really poor. Um, so but but it was enough like it was enough to get me to to into this these different songs. So I had like an example that would have represented that, but I had to leave that on the chopping room floor and um there was a couple of others yeah that were that were really hard cuts especially ones that had sort of specific stories attached to them so maybe down the road we'll do a we'll do a part two but uh i'm confident the three that i've settled on uh, are three good ones i was spoiled for choice here Mm, well, well, with you, we could do a part two, a part six, a part 20, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be to keep it coming back. It's, it's fine by me. It's fine by me. But, um, but, uh, anyway, let's get to it then. Uh, Alan, what is your first music memory for us? Well, I, uh, mentioned earlier about the WF marketing machine taking full advantage of the boom in the UK and Ireland and Europe in general in the early nineties. And this is a great example of that because my first choice, Andrew, is WrestleMania by the WF Superstars from WrestleMania, the album. I said, are you ready for the Survivor Series? Who will survive? Andrew, this one, I I just think back to this. It really represents that era well to me of kind of when I was like by early 93, late 92, when this was, was done, like I was, I was fully entrenched. Like I was, I was so entrenched that we were able to basically lose WF TV over here with, because sky one which it aired on dropped off our sort of basic t cable package that we that we had it in my area so i i lost all ability to watch wf and i followed 1993 wfs pretty much solely through the magazine and whenever i'd be at a friend's house who had sky sports and was, i was able to because i was like a premium extra add-on to your cable but um my family again not being sports fans were very much not inclined to ever get so i knew the door was shut on that so occasionally i'd be able to watch some stuff over at someone's house but it was mainly through the magazine i was following the promotion and i still have strong memories of that year 
even though I followed it in such a way. Uh, I think going back and rewatching so much of it helps, but um, I was able to do that because, again, I was so entrenched uh, by the end of 92. Like, I, I was just watching every moment I could of this stuff when it was on TV. Um, I, I was buying all the merch, as, as I explained. I never, again, I wasn't a music buyer, so I was never, like, in the the... The local record stores or anything like that and never actually bought this album um I, I probably wasn't even like aware of like that i could uh, to be honest um because I was, I was so young i was more getting the posters and the pencil cases and the underpants like i said um so uh this was something that i would see played on tv like they'd play snippets from its from music videos or or things like that but also it would just be used in video packages all the time particularly this song from the album and it's the classic wrestlemania theme to me it is a song that i woke my wife up to on the morning of our first time uh going to a wrestlemania in 2012 in miami she was woken up in her hotel room by this being absolutely blared and me just strutting around like a lunatic a lunatic <laughs> uh she wasn't uh she wasn't over me yet at that stage so um like she was she she was mildly entertained if i did that now i'd probably get a a headbutt or something but uh um yeah it was uh it's just like, yeah, it's the classic kind of WrestleMania song to me. And obviously WrestleMania was such a, a big kind of part of when you're a WWF fan, like WrestleMania is like the pinnacle um, to the point of, of parody now. But um, certainly for me uh, in my formative years, it was a big deal. And um, the extra bonus you have here is all these little promos that uh, the WWF guys did we get brett we get boss man we get tatanka we get the nasty boys who promised they're gonna shove nasty down our throat all through 93 um a promise they lived up to but not so much in the wwf uh because they left uh, pretty much right after this came out and went to wcw so uh not the, as nasty a year as they had planned um but uh andrew i don't know if you notice about me, but um, uh, ever since um, I was a little bitty boy, I've I've wanted to become a law enforcement officer, <laughs> <laughs> and I've wanted to stand up for just yes. The big boss man was in there, and he has a, a great promo, uh, and he lets us know that this night sticking these handcuffs—they're an instrument of justice. Uh, um, but. Uh, yeah, the, the the big one that's a memory to me here is is Brett. Brett was my guy. Didn't didn't care about Hogan. Thought he was phony. Brett was my guy, and uh, have a thirty four L thirty done with uh, Lee Malone about Brett Hart. And I, if you want to know more about how much Brett meant to me as a young fan, I, I spell it out there. But um, his promo and this just sums up Brett to perfection and. It's it's a good confident promo because he probably did a couple of takes and it wasn't live, so it's like Brett with his best kind of talking ability that he had at that time, and um, just very simple, very true to character. He's like, "I'm I am the excellent of execution, boys." There's a new gun in town because he was the new WF champion at that point, so um, that ruled. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it's awesome. What do you, what do you think of it? Oh, it's quite the bop. Yeah, <laughs> um, we played this song a couple times before on the show. Um, early on, we did a WrestleMania themes episode, and then uh, me and Joe Gagne did an episode about WrestleMania the album, which is what this is on, obviously. And um, you mentioned Lee Malone. Uh, me and Lee did an episode a few years ago about the McMahons and their themes. And this is on it because the instrumental of this was Linda's theme for many years. So, so there you go. And uh, yeah, every time I play it, I get I get happy because it's such a, a bop, as I said. Um, and the album, you know, it, it's funny. It's a precursor to an album that came out around the time I became a fan, uh, WWE Originals, um, which did an episode on as well a few years ago. And uh, that album is much like this one. It's it's a bunch of you know, at the time, current WWE wrestlers getting in the booth and, and quote-unquote singing <laughs> uh, their own songs. So you had, like, Kurt Angle do it and Booker T and Trish and Chris Jericho and Rikishi and all sorts of people there. So this album and this song is very much, again, it's a precursor to all that. And WWE Originals, that was the first album I ever got as a wrestling fan. So, you know, chances are, if I had been born a few years earlier... And gotten into wrestling when this album came out in, in 93. This could have been my first wrestling album. Um, and much like WWE Originals, you know, it's... I, I wouldn't say it's a great album in the traditional sense. <laughs> but it, it's still a, a fun time capsule, Alan, that's for sure. It's certainly not great in the traditional sense. It is a classic example of how uh, when you're doing mass uh, production of something that you want to have... You don't want to put a lot of time and care and effort into making, but you want to sell a bunch of. This is like a great example because um, <laughs> I guarantee you, like the songs they had and like the superstars' voiceovers that they recorded were nothing was done for the purpose of specific songs. I'd say they just got each of these wrestlers into the studio, got them to churn out a bunch of. Um, a bunch of promos and then they just lobbed them in wherever and it was like yeah this will do here this will do here and the best example is that this song wrestlemania of course famously starts with are you ready for the survivor, for the survivor series? series who, who will survive, survive? Yeah, and uh I, I i know you know the answer to this andrew because you are in fact the computer but listeners you may not be aware that the uh the man who actually said that line on WF TV or on WF uh, taping, I don't know if it was ever on TV, it probably wasn't, uh, was one Jimmy Jam Garvin of the Freebirds who very briefly came in and did like an announcing deal uh, in the WF. And yeah, I, they taped a bunch of stuff and just exists as stock footage and not something they ever... Uh, really went any further with but he it's standing up in the the green screen podium he yelled that out one time and it made it to this song living in immortality is jimmy jam garvin as a kid did you ever think wait a minute why is there a sound clip of i said are you ready for the survivor series in a song about wrestlemania or, or did you not care not as a not as a kid it was it was when i like sort of rediscovered this song or this album i guess in, in an ironic kind of sense and like in my 20s and it's like listen to this stuff like you know that kind of nostalgia kind of when you go back and and uh 
and and look at things from your youth like it was it was at that point when i played this and i was like oh yes yeah, the rest of me why does it start with survivor series reference that's weird <laughs> Yeah, well, speaking of weird, I mean, I think this is a good example of you know the WWF being like in its own world because the album came out in 93 and at the time you have stuff like grunge and alt-rock and gangster rap really dominating pop culture and yet here's the WWF with, you know, this 80s sounding, super polished, new jack swing kind of dig low pop music, you know, it's, it's a little strange for sure, the contrast. I mean, I mean, at the time, to be fair, at the time... The WWF was still very colorful and, and family friendly, and it was nowhere near later on in the decade where you had the Attitude Era and it was all swearing and boobs and metal and all that fun stuff, you know. But, but, but still, I mean, it's a good example, I think, of the trend of WWE kind of being in its own bubble, especially when it comes to like contemporary pop music and what's popular at the time, because it feels like you know WWF is always like five years behind current trends, and I think that's pretty evident here, Alan. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's, they had the right production company to achieve that uh, with the Simon Cowell led, I'm trying to get the, um, the name of the, is it Stock Aiken and Waterman, I think was. Yes. Um, yeah. So like, this was the group that put out like Kylie Minogue and, um, a bunch of like boy bands and stuff like that and obviously led to Simon Cowell being a uh, becoming far more famous later in his life as part of the uh the X Factor he was on and then he might have done like an American show as well. I, I don't remember American know, Idol. He was you know, the he big guy. American Idol. Yeah. Okay. Well he he is like obviously a big deal. I'm sure most people listening are aware of him, but they might not be aware that he was like the producer behind this and obviously would have been an, an English company producing it um we outsourced it obviously but also uh you, that's really given away with the uh the macho man song where they repeatedly call him macho, <laughs> macho man. man yeah yeah <laughs> the macho man macho which man. like anyone over here would say macho but those of us who were wrestling fans all say macho so um yeah it's one of those uh one of those little things there's there's a few things like that in my verbiage that i pronounced as an american would purely because i grew up watching the wf um and might make people who didn't over here kind of turn their heads and raise an eyebrow <laughs> i can imagine i can imagine yeah um well that was number one uh, alan what is music memory number two well andrew we're gonna fast forward quite a bit here um let me think 20 four years or so later in my life as i'm uh Sorry, no, 14 or so years ago. I'm aging myself more. Uh, uh, 14, 15 years later in my life, um, I'm in college, starting in college, you know, talk about college being the time of your life where you yeah, spread your wings and try new things and let loose a little bit. And I certainly did that because I got myself into the world of Japanese professional wrestling in a big way and independent professional wrestling. Um, but uh, yeah, just... You know, I, uh, I, I, I was <laughs> experiencing new things in college, and one of those things was Dragon Gate slash Toriumon, and I uh, just very quickly became a huge fan of this promotion, its history. Uh, I lapped it up. I was 
the the promotion that I most got into when I started following Japanese wrestling was Pro Wrestling Noah, and I was sampling out different things from different promotions. But it was when I found Dragon Gate and when my friend Michael Smith from the FWW board sent me a for the FWW Secret Santa uh, in two thousand five. He sent me um, the a comp tape he made of. Uh, a bunch of Toriumon stuff and a couple of DVDs. And I just got so into it. And I started following Dragon Gate because, of course, at that point, it had just switched from Toriumon to Dragon Gate. So I started following Dragon Gate as it happened. And the song I would routinely hear on these shows was one Dragon Storm. Dragonstorm is a song which has varied over the years. There's basically like a new version of Dragonstorm every year or two that they have, and they'll play it at the start of shows and they'll play it um, for video packages. It was used as the intro for the TV in 2004, right at the right as they changed from Toriumon to um, Dragon Gate. The TV show had this amazing anime-style uh, opening video, which just all the characters of the roster in cartoon form going through this adventure and all these scenes that, like, represented their characters. So, like, Genki Horiguchi would be, like, pulling up on a surfboard on the beach, and um, Anthony W. Mori would be sitting peacefully in a meadow. Uh, the heels, uh, Agon Isao would be chasing... Um, uh, I forget who they were chasing, uh, some poor baby face. Um, all this great stuff just that really just showcased the characters of the promotion. And this was the classic version of Dragonstorm. I believe the original version of Dragonstorm that played on this video. And as I said, over the years, it's changed. But year to year, it only really changes kind of subtly. But it's if you go back and like listen to the version of Dragonstorm now compared to that original one, it is quite a bit different. But um, from year to year, you don't really notice the differences as much. And a big thing for me was going to Dragon Gate UK shows in for the first time in like two thousand nine. Mark Sloan from A Merchandise, who promoted those shows and the the Noah UK shows, his big thing was authenticity he did not want to cut any corners when it came to making these as authentic as possible um i think that was something that was a bit of a difference between dg usa and dg uk i don't think gabe put much thought in gabe had other priorities you know like gabe was all about his booking and stuff like that where because he was doing more shows with the drag uk shows being more standalone Sloan was more focused on the event experience and 
as many nods to big time Dragon Gate fans as possible, and also making the wrestlers feel comfortable. So they had uh, a Dragon Gate sized ring, they had Dragon Gate um, uh, ring uh, dressings like the turnbuckles and uh, the apron and all that kind of stuff. And then something I remember posting on the UKFF board, like in the, the giant thread where they'd be putting updates for for the show like making wrestler announcements and stuff like that um i remember posting like ah oh, they've gotta they've gotta play dragon storm before the show and sure enough on the first show and every show thereafter dragon storm would play letting you know the show was kicking off and i just remember the first time just uh, pretty much every time when that song would play I would just be buzzing with excitement because it was like it made me feel like I was about to see a tr- true, authentic Dragon Gate product. Yeah, you sent me the clip of the anime intro with this song, and it's it's amazing because yeah, it's it's a full blown anime style intro, and I've seen so many wrestling show intros over the years, and they all tend to follow the same mold of you know live action shots of guys posing or hitting moves. Not this one. This one you've got like. You know, a, a cartoon dancing Magnum Tokyo. You've got a cartoon Naruki Doi with a baseball bat. And like a very, very cute looking dragon kid with giant cute eyes and all that stuff. I mean, compared to just every other wrestling TV intro I've ever seen, this is wholly unique. I've never seen anything else like it. And that's Dragon Gate. You know, I, I mentioned WWF kind of being in its own little world. I mean, so is DG. You know, there are times where they've done cross-promotional stuff with other companies and uh, the big ROH stuff back in the day. And, and nowadays, they've got guys like Shun Skywalker and SB Kento hopping over to America and Mexico for little trips. But, you know, Dragon Gate, it just feels like a company that in and of itself is its own unique thing. They have their own style. They have their own familial atmosphere and tone. And, you know, these TV intros like this one Go along with that. And if you're someone who's only used to a certain way of wrestling being presented and then you're shown this clip, <laughs> you're going to remember that for a very long time, I'd imagine. Um, and you're going to be very curious about, you know, what the heck's going on with this company that they have a full-blown anime intro for God's sake. So yeah, very, very cool and very unique of, of Dragon Gate to have that kind of thing on for sure. Yeah, I think the end of the clip really speaks to what you uh, were getting at there, Andrew, because it's like they show all these little the, the scenes with the cartoon characters and then it kind of comes to an end and this giant gate opens and a, a dragon comes out and a dragon basically wraps around someone who's more inclined to being able to describe these things would do a far better job than me i'm sure but the (laughs) dragon like kind of emerges and like wraps itself around everything that's happened in the 30 seconds and then wraps itself into the form of the dragon gate logo so it's like that universe is just being just locked in within this logo that has emerged from the gate it's it's so cool um it really is um i assume uh it was the gaora um television company that produced this intro um they are where toriumon and, and dragon gate have had their tv since their inception um so an, a company with very high production values i uh, have you were a fan of all japan b banquet back in the day um 
that also aired on Gaora and would have great production. So, um, yeah, I, I would assume they should take the credit for that. Have you seen uh, any of the other uh, Dragon Gate TV intros? There's the 2006 slash maybe early 2007 one is one that I think you'd really like. Um, it's uh, set to uh, Sting Me by the Black Crows. I think I've seen um, that. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Like the it's it's not animated, but it's the um, the way they do it. The special effects they have on it are just so awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen all of them, but um, again, I hear that these things are are all pretty cool and unique as far as TV intros go. Um, it's kind of so these days. It's it's kind of um because you still see some of the Gaiora shows uh, when they do live shows on um dragon gate network i have ones that are live on go or simultaneously with the network airing so you still see the the intro there and for like the last four or five years the intro has been kind of generic it's it's pretty much the same song and it just shows little bits of footage of the wrestlers kind of coming down to the ring um in their different groups one by one and, and kind of puts their name up on screen or so it's I don't know I, that's been a bit of a disappointing thing for me is how it was so different. It was always a big deal to me as a weekly infinity watcher. Um, whenever you'd get a new intro, like maybe every 18 months or so, I was like, Oh, there's a new intro to infinity. It's so cool. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, the fact that they've kind of stuck with the same generic version for a while now, and they just replace guys as they, move on or move into different factions and stuff like that, replace some of the footage, but it's generally the same. That's disappointing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a recurring topic on these music memories episodes, which is, you know, the passage of time and how time always moves on and, and things change. And we look back on certain wrestlers and certain companies or golden eras or whatever and we may have thought at the time oh this is fantastic it'll last forever it's never going to go away and then the cold slap of reality hit us in the face <laughs> and time moved on and things changed and they went away and looking at the intro here there are just a slew of recognizable dg you know legends in this video shima yoshino doi genki ryo saito don fuji Milano, uh, Stalker Ichikawa, the list goes on. And, you know, these are guys who at the time, I'm sure people thought, hey, these guys are Dragon Gate stalwarts. They are DG through and through. They are machines in the ring. They'll be around forever. And, yeah, nowadays, some guys are still there. Genki's still there. Ryo Saito's still there. Don Fuji. But there are a lot of guys in that video who are not still there for one reason or another. You know, Shima, Yoshino, Magna, Milano. Those guys are gone, and they've been gone for a while, and they've been replaced by newer and newer generations of guys who somehow seem to just pop out of the ground. I don't get it. Like, the dojo, they just seem to churn out guys left and right like crazy. It's it's weird, but... All the um, more reason why I'd like to see a sort of fresh new intro that they could use or some video packages that they could use to allow these guys, these new guys, kind of feel like they have their own thing that represents them. Um, because like when I think of that anime intro to me, that represents that crop of the guys that came around the, it, when Dragon Gate started, when it split from Toriumon, like that's that crew represented in that video. And I'd love to have something that represents the D courage and Skywalker, uh, natural vibes crew that we have nowadays. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Dragon Gate. You know, even when things change and, and guys move on or whatever, I think the general um, spirit of the promotion still remains. So, yeah, I think a lot of guys right now would fit right into an anime intro. Um, like you said, Shun and, and SBK and uh, D Courage and, and Diamante and Hyo and uh, the Natural Vibes crew, of course. They would they would all fit right into an anime intro, I think, very well. Um, so yeah, hopefully one day Gara will shell out the cash to, you know, make a new one. How about that? That'd be nice. <laughs> so Andrew, uh, I think I'm ready to get to, uh, theme number three, if that suits you. Uh, that suits me just fine. In fact, I was about to ask you this very question. Uh, Alan, what is your third and final music memory for us? Yeah, well, you teed me up perfectly with this by, uh, talking about times changing and, you know, Things don't always stay as they are. and uh, People move on and, and things like that. And A huge part of my wrestling fandom was something I never really saw coming um, for like the first uh, 15, 16 years of my wrestling fandom. I never really saw coming that I'd have a close to a decade of certainly seven, eight years of regularly being able to attend live wrestling like several times a month um without too much hassle to have to go to shows and to be seeing some of the best wrestlers and the most exciting wrestling and and the biggest happenings in uh, certainly independent pro wrestling um i i didn't see that being a thing i didn't see the indie wrestling boom that we would had in the 2010s kind of coming back around um particularly on this side of the world in 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 europe and a big part of getting to experience that was you know getting to go to shows with sarah a, a whole hell of a lot and a lot of friends we made along the way um so from like 2000 and uh, 12 I would say to 2019 I was going to be at OTT shows like five minutes from my house um, flying over to the UK and going to Rev Pro and big shows in York Hall or progress shows in the electric ballroom and of course regularly going to WXW for uh, what started is just kind of going over for 16 carat weekend. And then that became a bigger thing with more people going. And it would be carat weekend, tag league weekend in the fall. And I would be going over for other shows as well in between. And just the on top of like the great wrestling and the great wrestlers and the careers that blossomed during that period. And I'm, I'm just focusing on the positives of that period because there were certainly uh, um, many negatives that we uh, that have come to light um, mm. and came to light over time with that, and um, you know have have show, we've seen the error of um, we've seen the errors of that period um, in in recent years and and what lessons have and haven't been learned from it and. A lot of people have kind of moved moved on, but um, to get me back on track here, uh, the the wrestling itself was great, but what I think about hugely was the party, and I don't mean like the after show parties because that wasn't my thing. I 
thankfully steered clear of them, um, which was a better decision in hindsight than I even realized at the time. Uh, we would go to the shows, we would hang out, we would have a great time. And often at these shows, the shows themselves would feel like a party, uh, particularly at WXW and particularly at a big carrot weekend or uh, World Tag Tag League or Tag Team Festival, as, as it changed its name to. Um, you'd get like a dozen Irish, maybe two dozen Brits, a couple of Americans, people from all over coming in, in addition to all the crazy German fans and Austrian fans that would be there. and it, Everyone was just in such great spirits, you know, a lot of booze flowing, I'm sure helped as well. And uh, it was just, the energy was just there on some of those, some of those weekends, some of those trips to WXW. And I don't know if any song represents that energy and really that period of being happy at live wrestling for me. Then I don't I don't think any other piece of music best illustrates that than a song that probably people who weren't there don't even know. And that is Nordish by Nature by Fetis Brot. Ghostbusters remix. And that song was the theme music of a young tag team called Hot and Spicy, The Mac and Axel Dieter Jr., who, of course, is now on SmackDown, is that right? As yes. uh, Ludwig Kaiser, uh, part yes. of Walter's crew. Um, so I saw he wrestled Rey Mysterio a couple of weeks ago, which is pretty wild. But uh, I first started seeing him uh, back when he was an extremely scrawny, kind of awkward, but you could tell there was a talent there, young wrestler, um, teaming with his partner, the Mac, who was just full of energy and charisma. And they had a connection with the German crowd, which was above kind of what you would think it would be based on their skill level at the time, but they improved really quick and they got over really, really big as baby faces and they had good heels going against them um, over the years that followed. And uh, just from 2013 to whenever junior left, they were just a huge part of WXW and their music just set the tone for them because I hear this music, I close my eyes and I just think of everyone in the Turbine Halla just going wild. And the, fir the first time I think I experienced it live, no, I, cause I remember it being, uh, I remember it at 
2013? No, no, no. It would have been the twenty the 2014 Carrot. So this was the first time Sarah went to Carrot as well. And uh, I was I was kind of not sold on, on Junior as a wrestler. I thought he still had... He was still quite green. And uh, as she is uh, not shy about reminding, this is absolutely one for the Sarah's right folder because within like 20 seconds she was like oh he's gonna be a star he's and i was like oh he's still kind of rough around and she was like nope doesn't matter he's gonna be great and uh she was definitely right on that one um but uh they came out for their tag match on night one against the inner city machine guns who famously would be getting huge reactions wherever they'd go in the indies by coming out to lionel richie's all night long and that song was just ridiculously over at indie wrestling shows in 2014. It's it's crazy. And you wouldn't have thought that any other piece of music would stand a chance against it. But the crowd went even crazier for Nordish by Nature. And you had, the there's a video on YouTube of basically WXW fans won't let match start or something like that. Because all the fans were just wanting the they were chanting play the music play that can, can i curse here please they they were chanting play the fucking music do that do that <laughs> play the fucking music and and the wrestlers were obviously like totally um uh just g in them on and egg in them on and uh it was it, it was great it was really uh it was really fun and i, I just like things like that would happen, but but in general, it was just over the years. It was just that music would hit, and it was like hell yeah, here come hot and spicy. This is gonna rule, and it was a song which um, basically I had explained to me because I was I was like would ask people on the production side. I was like, what is this song? Where did it come from? It's a it was basically something that was done by a, a band from the kind of Hamburg region of, of Germany, which is where Hot and Spicy are from. Um, so it was kind of representative of of their home area in, in northern Germany, Nordish by nature, northern by nature, I, I guess. And um, why it was set to the Ghostbusters as a remix, I don't know, but it worked for the context of a wrestling theme. And... Um, the uh what was the other thing i was gonna say oh yeah that was the other thing about um hot and spicy is wxw would run shows like kind of if the primary shows were in the turban hala if you think of like ring of honor in the mid-2000s the turban hala overhausen shows were like your new york city philadelphia shows hamburg was the chicago show and where you had like the second city saints like super over in chicago that was the phenomenon you had for hot and spicy in hamburg and there is a match which i talked about just this past week on my miracle matches podcast um where a very very early in their career hot and spicy go against the outsiders not national hall but a u t as in austria outsiders uh, Big Van Walter and Avalanche Robert Dreisker and they go like 30 minutes in a just white hot 
Markthalle in Hamburg in front of what became known as Das Power Crowd was the uh, was the nickname the Hamburg crowd got, uh, which included Axel Dieter Senior in the front row, just totally like there was so much of the match was centered around like Junior getting destroyed in front of his dad, his dad rearing back his fist and selling it in the front row, and Junior bleeding buckets, and this match is insane. And them winning the titles and Nordish by nature playing is like just this triumphant babyface thing for these two young guys. And um, <laughs> just a little behind the scenes story to add to all that. And I, I swear, Andrew, sorry, I'll let you talk. I'll, I'll be no, no, I'll it's be fine. It's totally off. fine. <laughs> I'm just, I know, I'm just ranting away here. But uh, me and Sarah always joke uh, about like any time you'd come over to. Um, WXW after these guys were around um, you'd walk in and be a lot of people like they would be like enthusiastic and happy or smiling and you'd get some nice friendly greetings then you'd get some that were just like hello and just kind of curse and just okay <laughs> and then you'd get Junior and Mac who I don't think it mattered who came up to them or who entered they Everyone got the same thing from those like, yeah, bro, ah, like high fives, hugs, and just they'd be just so excited. Like I always thought I was excited walking into WXW in those days. They took that to a whole other level, but they were always they would always say when you first met them at a weekend, they'd always get you partying this weekend, guys. You partying, you coming out, you partying? Oh, it's gonna be a wild party. They'd <laughs> always be talking like they were gonna have this, especially when you went to Hamburg, they'd be like, Oh, Hamburg after the show, it's gonna be the craziest party. We're gonna hit all these. They'd always talk about all this stuff, okay? And they're like, We gotta bring you out, bro. We gotta show you. Da, 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 da. And uh one time they did it and then they had walked away and like I forget who the wrestler was, but it was some more senior wrestler. And he's just shaking his head and just muttering to himself. And and he just goes to me and Sarah's where he just kind of like laughed or so he just go, you know, like they like they like never get up to anything after the shows. They're like the most boring. <laughs> They're like the most boring guys. Their parties are shit. There's never <laughs> anything interesting. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that we always we always laugh about that um, amongst us. But uh, yeah, that it's the actual party that they were so hyped up for without knowing that this was what the highlight of their partying weekend would be. Would be. The show itself and their entrance and uh yeah i can't help but look back on it fondly um i i think uh junior i i know like that boom and and the uk and european scene kind of would take a hit shortly after he left with the pandemic and and things would shut down but there was like he he left in 2017 so there was there was a good two years there that i think if he hadn't gone to WWE. I think he would have been the biggest star in Europe. I think as big of a star as Walter became, I think Junior would have become right there with him. Um, he was, he had like three progress shows that he did before he left. And he was unbelievably good on those progress shows. And 
Ringkampf was just becoming this super over thing and the kind of ju- the Ringkampf trio of, of Junior after he left Hot and Spicy and Junior Walter and Timothy Thatcher was awesome and there's a match between them pitting them and uh, um, British Strong Style from Progress Show in like March 2017 I think it was that's so good and it's like God, if those guys were just left be there and WWE didn't snap up Tyler and Junior and Walter and pretty much everyone in that match, actually, now I think about it, because Thatcher eventually they even they even grabbed, but everyone in that match ended up going to WWE within the next year or two. And if they hadn't taken those guys, like I mean, Jesus Christ, the level of talent that was already there in Europe and that was becoming better was just crazy and i think they would have really they would have really shone but um yeah junior junior went he's doing well and um by by the looks of things i i really enjoyed what i would see back a, a couple of years ago with him and um uh what's his name uh i always forget his name the italian german dude uh, oh um well he's giovanni vinci right now but um he was oh god i'm blanking on the name right now too <laughs> yeah i always um, forget everyone always forgets it's so weird it's whatever reason everyone always forgets his name but uh um they had they had a bunch of matches on nxt back when i used to watch that fabian eichner fabian that's his eichner. name fabian that, eichner there that we go was it and yeah they they were a really good team um probably still are if they're teaming together right so um but uh, uh, the Mac, uh, as far as I know, has left wrestling. I don't think he's doing any any wrestling in, in a while. Um, so, uh, but uh, I, I would think that when when WXW the, the, the tag league there a, a, a month ago was was really good fun. It felt like things were kind of maybe inching their way back towards getting a great atmosphere again. I think sixteen carat this coming year could be a blast, and you know maybe. If he sniffs out the idea that there might be a party to be had and that energy is back, maybe the missing ingredient is the Mac. Maybe once we get the Mac back and maybe they have him come out to that song, which they won't do because uh, they don't use uh, copyright music anymore. Another another big problem for European wrestling was when WXW and Progress stopped using copyright music. But alas, uh, we had a couple of years there where we had magic like Nordish by nature. Well, a couple things. First of all, if the Mac did come back, he could use Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. It's right there, Alan. It's perfect. <laughs> that would be amazing. He would get the you'd be able to build a whole push off him coming back with that as his music. <laughs> and uh the other thing is um you did this whole big pick about Axel Dieter Jr. Earlier in the year, I did a music memories episode with Paul Volsch of the Emerald Flow show. And one of his picks was Axel's heel theme in WXW, Cells by the Servant. And you want to talk about, uh, you know, clashing musical stylings there. You know, here you go. I mean, one song is this really fun hip-hop dance song that samples, you know, Ghostbusters and Thriller. Nordish, 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 da 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 And the other is this really slow moody dour british guy the sun goes up and the sun goes down quite the fun little contrast there i'd say yeah that Um, was all very intentional they put a lot of thought into selecting that theme for him when he was a heel singles guy 
They really and they 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 came upon that and they're like, yeah, this is this is the one. Yeah, and those songs are in contrast with the ring comp theme, Symphony Number no. Nine, which he also had. So you know, it's just it's funny how a lot of guys tend to stay in the same lane when it comes to the kind of music they use for their themes. And then there's Axel, who has just gone around the dial <laughs> for his song choices for his theme music. So uh, it's funny to think about that, I think. But um, but, uh, but yeah. tell me this, Andrew. Who is going to be the wrestler who bounces around enough that they finally get to a Shakira entrance music? Because I have, <laughs> yet, to, uh, I have yet to hear one. I don't know. I'll have to do some digging on that to uh, see if anyone used one of her songs before. I'm sure they have. I mean, you know. Hips Don't Lie was like a massive, massive single. I'm sure someone had to have used it back in the day. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Taguchi can use it, you know, at some point in the future. Maybe Taguchi can, uh, you know, bust that one out there. Uh, who knows? But um, I could see some, like, random mass luchador on CMLL in 2006 come out to Hips Don't Lie. You know? I could totally see that. Um, not even a guy, like, with a dancing gimmick, just like a generic, like just like a Titan type guy, just coming <laughs> out to her, uh, to hips don't lie. I want um, I want someone to come out underneath your clothes. There's an endless <laughs> story. That'd be really dramatic. We could get the candles going in the, uh, maybe just me getting one single candle going. I don't know. But that wrestler would be over with me if they if they use that. I know. Uh, I know. Naito does the entrance with the suit on. And then he slowly takes it off in the ring. That might be his doing. That might be his uh, song to use. Yeah. That might be his. Yeah. That would be, uh, I. hey, I've always been a Naito fan, but there's always room for me to, you know, be more of a Naito fan, I think. So that could be just the thing that, that's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, the party atmosphere and the energy of all those shows that you went to back in the day. I remember, you know, uh, during the boom, seeing people on my timeline on Twitter going to these shows at you know progress and rev pro and wxw and ott and places like that and and being jealous of them because you know i couldn't get to go um maybe nowadays i'm not so jealous because of certain things that happen let's just say that but uh but back then i was because it just looked like such a fun place to be and a big part of that wasn't just the wrestlers or the matches it was the music it was the real music that they played to get that energy up and get that party atmosphere going and that's true for this song, of course. It's true for a lot of songs that were used back in the day that people just got attached to and, and sang during the entrances and, and sometimes sang during the matches. I just remembered, actually, um, I did a Music Memories episode with uh, Sarah Flannery, uh, your fellow Irish citizen there. And um, one of her picks was um, Robot Rock by Daft Punk, which is, of course, Bobby Guns' theme in WXW. And there's the famous match with Guns and... Um, was it Ilya or Thatcher? One of those two. Um, it was where... Ilya. I was, I was Ilya, on commentary. Right, right. right, yeah. I mean, the, the crowd is literally chanting, Guns, Bobby Guns, Ilya, Guns, Bobby Guns, Ilya, for like 30 minutes straight, just nonstop <laughs> chanting that. And, you know, real music, much like it did in ECW, much like ROH and the British Broom and, and whatnot, it's played such a, a massive role in elevating an atmosphere and making it feel really cool and special to be there. Um, as you can attest to, Alan, because you were at all those shows, of course. I can attest to uh, that particular um, uh, moment being very stressful for me as I try to both commentate it and and, uh, and leave it leave it breathe and, and, and that kind of thing and not step on the moment, but also try to, um, 
ensure that my commentary partner, the always incredibly excitable Rico Bushido, um, who I thought was going to, his head was going to explode with excitement, <laughs> but I was more worried that he was about to trip over himself and fall over the balcony as he was like standing up and jumping and climbing on his stool and and there's all these wires around and i was like oh my god we're on the edge this guy is he is he is gonna fall over the balcony here at any moment i literally had my hand out like trying to make sure he didn't fall as he was like going crazy and waving on the crowd it was yeah very stressful he <laughs> <laughs> did the old uh, Kevin Kelly move of uh, protecting the monitors when a guy would crash into the guardrail in front of him, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be even worse of a monitor. Oh, I don't know, it'd be even worse, but it would be also bad if monitors fell down and landed on a fan's head. Uh, yes, <laughs> um, uh, that 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 might be worse than if Rico, because at least if Rico falls off the balcony, he's a former wrestler. He can he can take the bump. Um, but, uh, <laughs> then again, he had probably. Uh, he was probably impaired in some way, shape, or form, um, being Rico Bushido and uh, how he enjoyed uh, spending his time, which he is very open about. So I uh, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag that uh, Rico might be, uh, you know, uh, not uh, not not of the clearest eyes during a during a performance such as that. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> I just hope I just hope it was uh, like a, a little bit of weed and not like crazy hallucinogens that made him think he was like not on a balcony and or made him think that he was in in the middle of like a lake and he was gonna like jump <laughs> into the water with excitement like no rico that's just fans 20 30 feet underneath you don't jump down into them <laughs> <laughs> you crazy man <laughs> um we're gonna wrap up soon but i want to bring up just one more thing here because you jogged this memory for me uh talking about axel senior uh, several years ago, I went to an NXT house show in Boston at uh, the Aganis Arena, which is where they do Dynamite nowadays. And um, the main event of that show was a six-man tag. It was Samoa Joe and the Revival versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. And Ciampa, for those that may not know, he's a Boston guy. You know, trained by Kowalski, the whole deal there. And um, I was sitting, uh, not front row, but close to the front row on the floor... And directly across from me, across the ring in the front row, was this old guy. And he was being very, very animated during that main event. Just, you know, super supportive of the good guys, super booing of the bad guys. And at one point, the crowd started chanting, old guy, old guy, old guy. Because, you know, he was just such a, a big you know, part of the show at that point. And, of course, as it turns out, that old guy is... Tommaso Ciampa's dad so oh, wow. no surprise okay. then that he's super amped up and, and invested in that main event there so um yeah that, that that's my wrestling dad story there for you and there you go <laughs> yeah wrestling wrestling parents in the crowd can can often be magic uh have you ever seen like mid-2000s ROH with mama mama lethal alan the, the the sheer timing of you mentioning that i'm doing a big watch of classic ROH in order and Right now, I'm in the summer of 04, and it's after uh, Hydro leaving Special K and becoming Jay Lethal. And on some of those shows, you can hear a very, very, very loud, high-pitched voice yelling, Come on, Jay! Let's go, Jay! 
Jay, come on! And it's like, hmm, I wonder who that could be. Uh, yeah, and I'm also listening to um, Through the Years with uh, Trevor Damon, Matt Feuerstein, and they're going through those who? shows as well. And uh, it... <laughs> Oh, you. <laughs> I, I threw poor Andrew off there. <laughs> you did, you did, yes. But, um, but they're going through those shows, and uh, they mention as well, you know, Jay's mom being uh, extra supportive of her uh, her dear boy there with the chanting, which uh, gets a little grating at times, I think. But uh, it's also very cute and sweet to see her, you know, be so supportive of her uh, her dear son Jay there. So um, there you go. But yeah, like uh, as much as they 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 like would put focus on her on like the actual like shows in in certain ways, but uh, apparently like what you don't ever see and what you experience if you're around her at shows live is like a hundred times more intense and greater than like the things they actually did like as kind of part of the angles where they used her yeah i can imagine i can imagine yeah (laughs) um all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of music of the mad thank you so much for listening and alan thank you so much for being here uh you are just a gem of a guy and this was a gem of an episode and it was absolutely worth the wait to get you on here finally this was just so much fun my friend well, thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. I apologize to you and your listeners for so much rambling um, over the course of the oh, show. Oh, no, I love that stuff. Come on, we all do. I, I was very conscious that I was doing it, but also not stopping myself. So, yeah, um, apologies for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I yeah, hope everyone enjoyed. And uh, I, I've plugged my stuff enough over the course of the show, so you know where to find me. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's been great. And, um, yeah, keep listening. Music at a mat, everybody. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and again, if we have to do like a part two, a part three, a part 17, whatever to, to keep getting you back on here, then then so be it, you know? <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. And Music of the Man is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great shows on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Uh, yes, Twitter is still a thing for now, apparently, so we'll see how long that lasts. But um, more importantly, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. Uh, all sorts of people have joined up lately. Um, I am there. Many other VOW people are there, too. Uh, Alan, of course. It's a it's a real hootenanny, that Discord, Alan, as I'm sure you know. Big Galazzo Dan. You, you got big stars uh, popping up now in the Discord. Yeah, Matthew from Botchamania is in there now, and uh, David Bixenspan, and uh, TDE Gifts. So uh, all the big movers and shakers are in there. That's the place to be, uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. Also, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate. For any donations, uh, just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. Uh, if you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And, of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Alan, thank you again, and I'll see you around. See you, Andrew. Take care, everyone. All right, for Alan Cunahan, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? 
And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.